Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church. Well, good morning. My name is Liz, and um, I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life, and it is my birthday. I've been celebrating for a few days because, like you just heard, it lands on a Sunday. And um, So anyways, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So listen to these words of Jesus this morning. They come from Luke 12. Look at the grass growing over there. One day it's thriving in the fields. The next day it's being used as fuel. If God takes such good care of transient things, how much more can you depend on God to care for you, weak in faith as you are? Don't reduce your life to the pursuit of food and drink. Don't let your mind be filled with anxiety. People of the world who don't know God pursue these things, but you have a father caring for you, a father who knows all your needs. Since you don't need to worry about security and safety, about food and clothing, then pursue God's kingdom first and foremost, and these other things will come to you as well. My little flock, don't be afraid. God is your father, and your father's greatest joy is to give you his kingdom. That means you can sell your possessions and give generously to the poor. You can have a different kind of savings plan, one that never depreciates, one that never defaults, one that can't be plundered by crooks or destroyed by natural calamities. Your treasure will be stored in the heavens. And since your treasure is there, your heart will be lodged there as well. Those are good words from Jesus. They just, they're good to hear. You know, we've been making our way through this book. It's on the the back uh, table there if you're interested, and it's called Vineyard DNA. And it kind of, it gives you the, the, the big snapshot of what has been deposited in our family of churches, the flavor that our churches have uh, been given from God. We have, you know, we're one part of the body living it out in the big global sea church. And he's given us uh, a specific identity of, Um, just how to represent him in this world. And this is a, a quote from that book. The vineyard family of churches leans towards the poor, the outcast, and the outsider with the compassion of Jesus as sinners whose only standing before God is utterly dependent on the mercy of God. This mercy can only be truly received inasmuch as we are willing to give it away. In other words, we as a church movement, we lean towards those who are suffering and weak in society. And we do it not because we believe that we are better than them or because we believe we can just fix everything. We lean towards the poor, the outcast, and the outside because we ourselves have experienced the kindness and mercy of God. 
And God did not look at each one of us and decide to show us mercy based on whether or not we had gotten ourselves into a mess or because we were blameless or because someone else had done something to us. He simply looked on us with love and then acted in compassion to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness. That's our inheritance, and that is why we lean towards the outsider. You know, following Jesus, I'm sure you can agree that following Jesus has never been a, a means to gain popularity in society, right? <laughs> and it's not going towards that trajectory any faster. I think it's going quite the opposite, okay? We're not like always highly esteemed in society because of following Jesus, right? Many of the world, people in the world are, are highly persecuted for following Jesus. And I think that trend is going to continue even for us in the United States. But there are some things like we, we, that get disordered inside of us, desires that get disordered inside of us, and we start to want the things of the world sometimes more than the things of Jesus, right? And some of those disordered I, desires are to be great, to be successful, to be something or somebody in this world, right? We, we want that because that's what the world says we should want, <laughs> And that's what the world esteems. And even the people that followed Jesus here uh, on earth in the flesh had some of those same disordered desires to be something great <clears throat> with, with Jesus standing right next to them. You know, Jesus' disciples um, had been taught by Jesus himself that they were to uh, die to themselves. They were to pick up their cross. They were to um, follow him with everything, losing their life to follow him. They had seen and gone with Jesus to minister to um, the outcast, the sick, the diseased, the disformed. They had been there all along through those experiences. And they're on their way to Capernaum, traveling along a road, and, you know, Jesus kind of knows what's happening in their conversation, but he decides to, to gently confront them and say, hey, hey, what were you talking about on that road as we were traveling? And they were so embarrassed. They refused to tell him what they were talking about. They were ashamed because they had actually been talking about who among them was the greatest right? Who was so successful among them that they were going to be able to probably sit next to Jesus, maybe be his VP when he became king and he started to rule and take over the Roman government. Like, who was going to be his right-hand man, right? That's, that's, that's what they were discussing, truly. <clears throat> and all along, this way of of doing ministry with Jesus, this way of compassionate ministry. It wasn't a means to an end. It wasn't like, yeah, we'll just minister to those who are sick. We'll, we'll come face to face with them. We'll touch their diseased bodies. We'll help heal them. We'll give money 
just so that once we get in power, once we are ruling, then we can kind of do it, you know, from the top down, right? We don't actually have to be doing that compassionate ministry anymore. And I don't know if that's what they were thinking, but there was something in them that was following the way of Jesus to this point of still having this desire of wanting to be successful. And Jesus, Jesus is like, you know what? <laughs> he didn't say this, but he's like, I was king before I came to earth. I'm king now that I'm on earth. I'm going to continue to be king for all of time. And the way of compassion is always my way. It's always been part of the kingdom. It's not a means to an end because Jesus has always been king. You know, in this, in this book, we are ending our five distinctives. We've been talking about the distinctives of Life Vineyard. And that just, again, it means like, what are these identity markers that when the vineyard was first birthed, God deposited in the hearts of just a small group of people that said, this is how I want you to reflect me in the world. And to give you just a, a reminder of those five things, we talked about we are people of the kingdom of God. That's our lens. We, we are people of the kingdom of God. We believe that the kingdom is here and now in part, and we see the kingdom break through in the way that Jesus taught about it and the way that Jesus lived. It's also for the consummation of the future when it's in full. Everyone gets to play. Number two, we believe Everyone that follows Jesus has been given his spirit, and you get to participate in the life and ministry of Jesus. Third, come Holy Spirit. We say the Holy Spirit is the life that comes breathing in us and give us the power to live like Jesus. Without come Holy Spirit, we're just, you know, we're just religion. We're just going through the motions. Four, Intimate worship is really important to us, that we're singing to God. There's a relationship there. And five today is remember the poor. Remember the poor, that this is the heart of the Father, the way of Jesus, doing compassionate ministry. Now, the, the phrase, remember the poor, is actually <clears throat> from Scripture, straight from Galatians 2.10. And... This is what's happening in Galatians. Paul, he's writing to the church in Galatia, and he's <clears throat> reminding them, like, do not follow this false gospel, okay? Follow the true gospel that I've been telling you about, because let me remind you of the testimony of how this gospel came to be. And so he's, he's telling them that 14 years after his miraculous encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he's been preaching this gospel. And he brought, after this 14 years, brought this gospel to the leaders in Jerusalem so that they could bless it and, and say, yes, that's the true gospel, Paul. You should keep on preaching that gospel. And basically to affirm him as a fellow apostle. And so... Paul is commissioned to preach to the Gentile, Gentiles and Peter's commissioned to preach to the Jews. And the apostles all agree that 
that is what is to continue. So here's what it says in, in Galatians. It says, <clears throat> when James, Peter, and John, three men perpetrated to be pillars among the Jewish believers, saw that God's favor was upon me to fulfill this calling, they welcomed and endorsed both Barnabas and me. And they agreed that our ministries would work as two hands, theirs advancing the mission of God to the Jews and ours advancing toward the outsider nations, all with the same message of redemption. And in parting, they requested, we always remember to care for the poor among us, which is something I was eager to do. So here, Peter and Paul are commissioned to preach to different nations the same gospel and the same value in their ministry was going to be remembering the poor. I think that's fascinating. It's something so small that like we don't even know is in the Bible <laughs> because we're, we're focused on, yeah, of course, here's Peter, here's Paul, you know, we're thinking about that, but he says, and remember, the, the, the leaders, the main apostle leaders are saying, as you go out to preach the gospel to these nations, also remember the poor. Don't forget that to be a part of your ministry. And I want the truth to sit with us today that <clears throat> throughout Scripture, the genuine preaching of the gospel in every age must also be accompanied by meeting the physical needs of people. Remember the poor. That Jesus, he healed the sick, he cast out demons along with preaching the word. And he demonstrated that the word came, or the kingdom came in word and in deed. It was taught, it was preached, and it was demonstrated. <clears throat> it goes hand in hand, preaching about the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom, remembering the poor, showing compassion, loving those that are hurting, helping those that are under-resourced. It's not, it's not optional to the kingdom. It goes hand in hand. And I think that that's a challenge for me, for us. It's a challenge to remember the poor. It's a challenge for me. Because we can get so caught up in our lives, right? So caught up in building our own kingdoms that we just don't see people. We don't take the time to see people. We're too busy. It's super easy for us to turn away from need because we're, I mean, you watch the news, you re there's so much need that it's almost overwhelming and so it's hard to even just notice the one. But there's always one highlighted in your sphere. We can't take care of it all, but there's, there's one. We can say, you know, our, our, the line items in our budget, they're already accounted for, right? We're too comfortable to step out and talk to that person or pray for that person. I get it. I'm there with you. <clears throat> Mother Teresa was 
attending a, a party full of uh, dignitaries. And the guest list included, you know, really pompous people, presidents and statesmen from around the world. And they were dressed in um, all their attire. And she was dressed in a, a simple sari held together by a safety pin. And she was engaged in conversation with um, a nobleman who was really intrigued by her work to the poorest in Calcutta. And, and from his vantage point, point, he seemed like, it seemed like her work was just endlessly frustrating. Like, how can you really fix all this poverty, all this pain, all this brokenness? And so he asked her, like, are you ever discouraged by seeing so few successes? And she answered, no, I do not become discouraged. You see, God has not called me to a ministry of success. He has called me to a ministry of mercy. Jesus calls us to something different than the world. Right? He doesn't call us to be successful and flashy and all, you know, something. But he calls us to love him with all his heart and love our neighbor as ourself. And that's the greatest call that we can be a challenge to follow all the days of our life to truly live that out. You know, this morning I started with that Luke passage, and it was from The Voice, and he, he says, um, this is what it says in the NLT. It says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure is going to be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Jesus says, buy a purse that's never going to wear out, right? Okay, Jesus, where do I get a purse that's never going to wear out? You know, I buy something and I know it's just, it's going to be damaged by my kids and I have to hold it with an open hand because at any point, you know, a permanent marker is going to find it, right? It's going to be damaged, you know, all my stuff is a little bit, okay, I have kids. I guess, you know, when my kids grow up, I'll buy something that (laughs) isn't going to get so damaged. But <clears throat> he says, buy, per- buy a purse that's never going to wear out. Where is that, Jesus? Oh, it's a heavenly purse, right? And he's saying reverse, reverse the flow. The flow is, okay, the world says acquire, acquire, acquire stuff for yourself. And he says, what I want you to do is reverse that flow and give and give and give to those in need. That's a challenge. Invest in a bank account that's never going to run dry. It's a heavenly bank account. It's a heavenly purse. It's something that isn't going to be touched by crisis and calamity and um, you know, COVID and a recession and all the, the junk that we can't control in life, when we invest in kingdom things. It's the Father's will. He's always had a heart for those that are in need. Back in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 15, 11, it says this. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God, your God's blessing in everything you do. 
all your work and ventures. There's always going to be poor and needy people among you. So I command you to always be generous, open purse and hands, give to your neighbors in trouble, your poor and hurting neighbors. His heart is towards those in need. And that has been us many times. And so he's saying to give generously. Okay, we're going to take a quick quiz together. Do you know that you can actually grow in your emotional intelligence and your social intelligence? You know, if you think you're like, oh, I'm kind of socially awkward or I don't really know how to read people, you can actually grow in that. Like, it's not like set in stone your awkwardness forever, right? You can, you can take some leaps forward. And so uh, you can learn body language better. You can learn posture better. Did you know that? Um, so we're going to see how, uh, how intelligent we all are here, okay? So we're going to take a quick quiz. This is just for fun. You know, there's no, like, right... I mean, there is a right answer, but it's not going to be graded. So you can just, like, breathe. Okay, so I'm going to show you a picture, and then I'm going to give you uh, four emotions of what that person is, and you guys are going to guess. So if you want to put the first one up there. Okay, is this person... Is he experiencing shame, nervousness, sadness, or confidence? What do you guys think? You can just shout it out. Mm, okay, you got that one. It's, you know, the, the thumb biting, right? Nervousness. Okay, number two. I kind of went easy on you. There's some really difficult ones. Is he experiencing happiness, fear, confidence, or excitement? I have some confusion in the room. I'm reading your faces. <laughs> He's experiencing confidence. I forget. This is called something. Um, what is it? Steepling. Steepling. And I think it's intimidation. Ah. It, it sure could be. He's so confident that it's intimidating, right? He's, okay, steepling. Yes, I just learned about this, right? Because I'm not always the best at reading people. Steepling, you want to appear really confident? Oh, maybe I should do this for the rest of my talk. <laughs> now that I'm in the posture, I can feel it. <laughs> That's bizarre. <laughs> okay, sorry, you guys. Um, steepling, yes. Yeah, so in your next business transaction or meeting or like, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, but you want to convince your friends that you know what you're talking about, just do some steepling, yes. And people will just <laughs> believe you. <laughs> Um, okay, number three, is this person nervous, bored, apprehensive, or delighted? He's bored. He's bored. Okay, there are subtleties. Like, you go, you could just, like, search the internet for this kind of stuff, you know? And you can do these quizzes, and sometimes you're like, Oh, like I really thought it was this, but there's like little subtleties that you can learn about. Um, and oftentimes, like we do these postures unconsciously, and we can sh you can learn like, oh wow, somebody's expressing a posture that they don't even know they're you know that they're feeling that. It's fascinating. So <clears throat> at in the vineyard, we have this posture: come, Holy Spirit. Okay. It, sometimes it's a joke that we say like, okay. 
um, assume the prayer posture. <laughs> and if you are around uh, a vineyard church long enough, you will learn like, oh yeah, this is a posture we like to get into when we pray because it is, um, it's reminding our body and our mind like we are receiving from God. And we are saying, come Holy Spirit, we want to hear from you. We want to receive from you today. This is a posture of openness and receiving. There's nothing like magical about it, right? There's nothing like, it, we're, I, I want to take away like the, <laughs> the mysticism. Like there's nothing like, um, there's nothing extra special about it, but there is our, our minds, our emotions, our bodies are all connected. So putting yourself in a posture displays things. And this is a posture that we will often use when we pray, come Holy Spirit. So along those lines, in this distinctive, when I was thinking about remember the poor, I was thinking as we come from this posture of receiving all the good things from from the Lord, mercy, acceptance, forgiveness, generosity, goodness, on and on and on. Then we go into this posture of giving, this posture of remembering the poor, that everything we've been given from him, we turn around and we give it away because the hurting, broken world around us needs it. Jesus is the only hope. And in this posture, we meet Jesus. In this posture, we meet him because every time we turn around and give and love and serve and heal, we're doing it to Jesus. We're serving him as well. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he'll separate the people as a, separate, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Now in this parable, the sheep are inheriting the full kingdom of God. And they're invited into the kingdom not because of their good works, not because they, did, they, they invited the stranger and they clothed the naked. They're invited into the kingdom based on their saving relationship with the shepherd. I want to be really clear about that. That's why they were invited into the kingdom. Their, the, the kingdom was their right full blessing because they're children of the shepherd they're brought in nothing can be nothing can take away this kingdom inheritance that they're invited into it's been prepared before the creation of the world 
So there's no amount of good works that's going to get them this inheritance. They're children. It's their rightful blessing. But as he's welcoming the sheep into the kingdom, he's commending their expression of the family values. He's saying, welcome into the kingdom that was prepared for you. And you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and I see that, and it's beautiful. He's saying, well done. The kingdom was evidenced in your life. And that's the same for us. We're his children. We are forever secured in his kingdom. Everything the Father has is ours. And when we can live in that guarantee, when we can live in that security, then we can live open-handedly. We can let the kingdom flow freely out of us to others because we've secured something so much greater than this world has to offer, right? We've bought the purse that's never going to wear out. We've invested in the bank account that's never going to dry up. And so we can live fully in his kingdom and we can express it in remembering the poor and giving away in seeing the need around us. Okay, why don't we have the band come up that has made it back from the long journey? I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'll give you my call to action this morning. <clears throat> Just start giving something. It can be small. It can be small, but start to give something, time, resources, or energy to those in need. And then as you give one thing, you can trust God to show you the next step because that's his heart. And I would um, encourage you, I thought of this as an, an another call to action, as a way to, to prime the pump of how to, notice what's the something you should give, um, is in sometime this week, have a, have a moment with Jesus praying. You know, you can even uh, assume the prayer posture. Um, and go from this posture to this posture in prayer, physically, and just say, God, thank you for all I've received from you. Show me where I can give it away. And then just listen, because he'll show you. He'll highlight somebody, something, a situation. And just think of that, those two postures this week. God, thank you for all you have given me. Where can I give it away to you? Okay, so think about those postures this week. And I'm going to pray as we enter into worship. Jesus, I do. I thank you for your great mercy, your great love, and all that you have given to us. There's so much that you have given to us. So 
sometimes we forget even to stop and thank you for it. But this morning, we want to worship you. We want to fix our attention on you and thank you for all that you have given to us. And then as we talk in this community, as we talk amongst each other, and as we leave here, I pray that you would highlight to us how we can give it away, how we can pray for one another, how we can care for one another, how we can give in a kingdom way to this broken and hurting world. So come, Holy Spirit. We invite your presence, God, to this place as we worship and sing of you. Amen. At Life in Your Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org, lifevineyard.org.